Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Welcome to this week's episode of the Modern Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Cook. Today we'll be talking about that creative thing you love. Writing, painting, designing, composing... You know, that thing you do for pleasure, to relax and escape. Many of us hold the belief that the thing we love to do and the thing we get paid to do can never be one and the same. Unless, of course, you're Lizzo or Stephen King. But what if that assumption is wrong? What if there's a way to add a small revenue stream or even make a full-time career out of the creative thing you love? I sat down with novelist and NYU professor Grant Ginder author of The People We Hate at the Wedding, and honestly, we met well. And he boldly shares his advice on how he turned his writing hobby into a profession and how he believes you can follow his lead down any artistic path you choose. I began by asking Grant, what makes someone an artist? It's such a loaded question. Um, when people ask me what I do, I always lead with, oh, I'm a, I, I teach writing at NYU. And then it's it's like so often my husband who has to be the person who says, oh, but you're also a novelist. Like you've, you've published a number of books and you have another one coming out. And, and, and I see other writers do it as well. I see people, you know, people who have written a novel, other writers I've worked with who have written a novel, maybe it hasn't sold yet or it hasn't been published yet. And they say, I've written a novel as opposed to I'm a novelist, um, which like if you've written a novel, you're a novelist. Come on. I think that it's it's so much of it is a matter of just taking ownership that like you're not allowed to call yourself a painter unless you are selling paintings. Well, but but a painter is someone who paints, right? That is what it is. It's someone who engages with that verb. And so it's the same thing with a writer. I'm I am writing. I spend a lot of my day writing, and so I am a writer. It's it's as much as sort of blocking out the noise of what the machine tells you qualifies as a writer, a painter, a musician, or whatever, and realize sort of the 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 process that you're engaged in. You know, it is a label that is fraught with associations and expectations and it's it's tough, you know, but I, I do think that the first step in in getting anyone else to take you seriously is to take yourself seriously. And and part of taking yourself seriously is calling yourself, you know, what you are. Many of us carry a creative wish or talent inside of us. And yet so many of us believe that the art, 
The creating is the thing we need to do after the real job is done. Being creative happens separately from being a professional. Can we begin by acknowledging that mindset? I come from a family with very supportive parents. My parents encouraged me to to follow those ambitions and if, you know, go be a writer. That said, I think if I would have told them after I graduated college, like, oh, I'm going to go be a writer and I'm just going to sit and write novels, they would have been like, well, maybe you won't be doing that. In fact, I remember when my first book came out, my dad, my parents had like a little celebration for me and my dad was like giving a speech and, and he was like, you know, Grant said he was going to write a book and we didn't believe him. And then when, my, when I wrote my second book, he was like, he wrote another one. Like there was this sort of surprise, but it was a mixed message. And I think that, you know, it's not just your parents that give you this message that this is the thing you can't do or the thing that you can do. I think that you have pressures from, from all sides, from school, from media, from, you know, just looking at the world around you of, to your point, like, you know, the only painters that matter are the ones that make a lot of money. The only writers that matter are the ones that make a lot of money. And I just, you know, it's a... I think it's a very skewed way to be looking at art. So how then, I probed, do you start to make that transition from amateur creative to professional? For me, the creating part was learning to set aside time and to protect that time to engage in this particular craft and to say, you know, uh, if someone asked me, I would write on the weekends a lot. And it's like, oh, if someone asked me to go to lunch on the weekends, learning to say no to things like that and saying like, this is the time that I've set aside to engage in this process and I'm going to engage in this process now and holding yourself to that and getting other people to recognize and take that seriously, a husband, a wife, a spouse, whatever. Coming at, for me, it was coming at fiction as a writer, both as a reader and a writer. And so, and I imagine it's the same thing for painting or music where you read a novel and you want to write one of these things. And so you read it. What do you like about it? Why do you like that? And how is that writer doing that thing? And so coming at it from this more of a, an artist perspective and someone who's trying to train themselves in a particular craft, I think that's kind of step one to producing something. If you're on a GLP-1, you're probably loving the results. You look good. But how do you feel? How about the stomach issues? Loss of muscle mass? Lacking energy? All of those side effects can take a toll. So now what? The answer is GNC. We have solutions that can help address those side effects and make sure you don't get knocked off your path. Because when it comes to living healthy, we're all about it. And that includes keeping you going on your GLP-1 journey. GNC. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate. Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Once you've written or painted or composed the thing... 
how do you find the clear step-by-step roadmap to getting it out into the world? I used Google. When I wrote my first novel, I Googled how many words were in a novel. Like I said, I've always loved writing. I've always loved reading. And so on my breaks, I would write. I kept that up. And then when it was done, when I sort of reached that magic number, I Googled how to publish a novel. My path, it was like a Google commercial in that I like Googled how to, you know, I found out after Googling how to publish a novel, I found out you needed a literary agent. And so I said, Google how to find a literary agent. And I, so I did research and I came up with a list of agents. I wrote them blind queries. This is not kind of the way that I suggest that people do it. Reaching out to people and making connections with other writers. I I assume that this would translate to other fields, but you know, Developing a network of other writers, of other painters, of other musicians, helping each other out to navigate the landscape, I think can be can be really helpful. And if not, Google. Do your research. I actually think that regardless of, you know, whether you have a network or not, doing your research is really important. Know sort of, you know, what are the next steps and and how you can prepare yourself for those steps. I think that that's very important. When I tell people this, they're like, no way. And I'm like, you know, it really, what I like, I went down a Google rabbit hole and I was like, this is what these are. And then I started realizing I'd never really read the, I was, you know, 22. I'd never really read the acknowledgements in the backs of books before. And so I started reading the acknowledgements in backs of books and, you know, authors thank their agents. And so I really liked the book. I would read the acknowledgements and kind of keep a list of who the agents were. And so when it was time for me to query agents and and when I had something to show them, I reached out um, to those agents and like, you know, some of them don't respond, but some of them do. And the ones that do, you know, you, you send them their stuff, they ask for it. And, but yeah, I, I think it's just Googling, doing your research. It sucks. It takes a while. You get a lot of rejections, but you know, for every rejection, it was like, I, I told myself that for every rejection, I was going to send it out to two more people. And so you just kind of, you know, you chip away. There also is, to your point, there's also a ton of competition and a ton of people who are competitive, but there's also people who are willing to help and who remember how hard it is. Grant mentioned rejection, and I was not letting him off the hook. How, I asked him, do you deal with rejection? It's a very good question. And it's a hard one to answer. I think that you're right. You There is this incredible vulnerability in terms of putting something out in the world, particularly with something like a novel. It's something that, you know, you've sat with for years and just it's just you engaging with the plot, the characters, the ideas, the questions that you're exploring. And then all of a sudden it's in the hands of everyone and they're allowed to think whatever they want about it. And, you know, it's I think at first for me, I'm still I'm still on the learning curve when it comes to this. I have, though, entirely stopped reading like Goodreads reviews, for example. I used to think that authors who say they don't read their Goodreads reviews are just lying. But now I actually believe it because I, I'm, I've now become one of those things. I think that you have to kind of get to this state. And I, I, I'm not there yet. I imagine this state is sort of like the author's nirvana. And I'm, I'm like far from it. But I think you have to get to the state where it's like, I have made this thing that that it belonged to me while I was making it, and I am now putting it forth for interpretation. And people might get might pick up what I'm putting down. People might pick up something that I didn't even intend that is in the text. Um, but but like texts are meant to be interpreted, texts are meant to be read and processed in a variety of different ways. And 
I think that that the more that I, I again I'm, I'm speaking only in the process of writing, but the more that you can kind of lean into that belief that once this thing is out there, I I do not have control, nor should I have control over how people process it. Um, I think that the, the happier, um, you know, that the happier and and probably the better writer you can be. You stop, you know, you stop worrying about how people are going to process it and you, and you write the book you want to write. I am so far from that. Um, this is like me trying to give advice to my current self, future self, like years from now self. Um, but, but, but I, I think, you know, from my, from my end, that's my goal. What about inspiration? Do you wait for it to strike or do you just have to get started? So I don't believe in the latter that I have to wait for inspiration to strike. And I actually think that this kind of comes from, and I'm very grateful to this, but my training as a speechwriter and that like you're writing under deadlines and sometimes and you don't have the luxury of just sitting around and waiting for inspiration to strike. You, you have a job to do. You have to write the speech for someone. That I, I'm very much of the belief of like, I, and Taffy Burracker, who wrote Fleischman is in Trouble, said this in an interview that I thought was so, so good, where she, she was like, you know, you'll write a sentence, just write the sentence, and it might be a really, really bad sentence, but the next one will probably be a little bit better. I'm paraphrasing right here. I'm probably screwing it up too. But, you know, the, the next one will be a little bit better, and the next one will be a little bit better, and the next one will be a little bit better. I'm also a really big fan of just super messy first drafts, and I think my writing is at its worst and my process is at its worst when I get way too precious about, am I in the mood? Is the light in the apartment just right? Is, you know, is everything quiet or do I, if I pick the right song, it's like, no, I just like, like roll up your sleeves and start. And for me, that's always kind of how, even when I'm not feeling it, how I get into, into the process. Again, I think part of that is, is actually like protecting this like, you know, hour, two hours, three hours, whatever it is that you've set aside to write. But if you're not feeling it, like my view on that is like tough, like start feeling it, like sit down and start writing. You know, the sentence that you write, it might not make it into the final draft, but off of that sentence, you might write one that will. And off of that one, you might write a whole paragraph that will. And so, you know, it's cumulative. I wrapped our interview with this question. What is the one piece of advice you wish you could give your younger self? That is a tough one. I, so I don't teach fiction. I teach essays and rhetoric, but it's still, it's still writing. And I, and I actually think that, weirdly, that the, the art of crafting an essay has a lot to do with writing fiction. I think that there's overlap between those two genres that people don't really give it credit to or give, give credence to. An essay is the narrative of an idea. A novel is the narrative of a, a person or character. But wow, I think actually the advice that I want to give them is sort of what I just talked about. You know, they all freak out about writing and they, I think there's a lot of anxiety about engaging in that process and just sit down and do it, you know, and just trust that, you know, one sentence will lead to the next sentence, which will lead to the next sentence. And that in that you will probably find something true that's worth keeping. I always tell them that BS is a really valuable tool and knowing how to 
BS is a really valuable tool, but only in that as you're writing a bunch of nonsense, chances are you'll end up writing something that you really believe. And you have to know how to stop yourself and say, wait, I actually believe that thing. I want to explore that thing more. And so my advice to that would be just to sit down and write a sentence. Just do it. My advice to me, what I wish someone had said to me was, I mean, (laughs) don't worry so much, um, (laughs) that just write you know, don't worry about any of that that stuff. Just write, write the book you want to write. And then if even necessary, start engaging with those questions. I think that would be the advice that I wish someone had given me and that I'm constantly trying to give myself. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Grant and that you're feeling inspired to roll up your creative sleeves and just get going. Learn more about Grant and his books at grantginder.wordpress.com. Do you have a question I can answer? Send it my way. Check out the links in my bio for all the ways you can reach me. You can check out my website at leadabovenoise.com or follow me on the Modern Mentor Podcast page on LinkedIn, where I share exclusive videos, inspiration, and more. Join me next week for an exciting new episode. Until then, thanks so much for listening and have a successful week. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.